from Scripture this morning, we'll read Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel chapter 34. In the Bible in front of you, you'll find that on page 862. 862, or Ezekiel chapter 34. And we'll read, we'll read the entire chapter. Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly you have not strengthened. The diseased you have not healed. The broken you have not bound up. The scattered you have not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost. But with force and with severity you have dominated them. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd and they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. My flock wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. My flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth, and there was no one to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my flock has become a prey. My flock has even become food for all the beasts of the field, for lack of a shepherd. And my shepherds did not search for my flock, but rather the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will demand my sheep from them and make them cease from feeding sheep. So the shepherds will not feed themselves anymore, but I will deliver my flock from their mouth so that they will not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he is among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the streams and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will feed them in a good pasture, and their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There they will lie down on good grazing ground and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken, and strengthen the sick. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with judgment. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will judge between one sheep and another, between the rams and the male goats. Is it too slight a thing for you that you should feed in the good pasture, that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pastures, or that you should drink of the clear waters, that you must foul the rest with your feet? As for my flock, 
They must eat what you tread down with your feet and drink what you follow with your feet. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, even I, will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you push with the side and with the shoulder, and thrust at all the weak with your horns, until you have scattered them abroad. Therefore I will deliver my flock. They will no longer be a prey, and I will judge between one sheep and another. Then I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them. He will feed them himself and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will make a covenant of peace with them and eliminate harmful beasts from the land so that they may live securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. I will make them and the places around my hill a blessing. And I will cause showers to come down in their season. They will be showers of blessing. Also the tree of the field will yield its fruit, and the earth will yield its increase, and they will be secure on their land. Then they will know that I am the Lord when I have broken the bars of their yoke and have delivered them from the hand of those who enslaved them. They will no longer be a prey to the nations, and the beasts of the earth will not devour them, but they will live securely, and no one will make them afraid. I will establish for them a renowned planting place, and they will not again be victims of famine in the land. And they will not endure the insults of the nations anymore. Then they will know that I, the Lord, their God, am with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God. As for you, my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, you are men, and I am your God, declares the Lord God. So far, the reading then of Scripture, dear congregation, last week we considered the subject of the false prophets from the book of Ezekiel. And you know that in the uh, land of Israel at the time, there was, there was uh, three offices, right? Prophet, priest, and king. And the false prophets was dealing with those prophets who claimed to have received a word from God and yet had not ever been, had not received a word from God. But today we, we switch our focus from prophets to kings, to kings. Shepherds uh, in Israelite uh, language was often a reference to the civil rulers of the nation, to the kings. Now I know we tend to think of shepherds as uh, a pastor, right? A shepherd. Uh, and that's certainly appropriate, especially in the New Testament. But here in the Old Testament, the shepherds are the kings, the civil rulers. Those who have the responsibility of protecting and caring for the people of God. Now we know that this prophecy given to Ezekiel here is, is not to be understood literally. He's not giving us an a, uh, uh, instruction on how to be a good shepherd, how to raise sheep, Right? In fact, many of the things he says are, are to the contrary, right? A, a, a good shepherd does raise the sheep and, and kill the sheep and slaughter them and eat them, right? That's, that's what shepherds do. And they, they milk the, uh, the goats and, and that's what shepherds do. So clearly, this is a reference then to kings and the way they abuse the people of God. Now, let's consider then, in the first place, the problem with these shepherds. Because we know right from the start, in verse 2, that God says, woe 
shepherds of Israel. Now that congregation right there is an uh, indication that God is now uh, announcing His verdict, as it were. It's almost as if the courtroom is spread, and God is, on his, is the judge, He's on His throne, and the verdict comes down. Whoa! Right? This is the judgment that God is going to pass on these, peop- on these shepherds. Whoa! And in a, in, a, in a word, in a single word, you can see at the end of verse 2, so I'm in Ezekiel 34 and verse 2, and you can see in your Bible there, should not the shepherds feed the flock? Right? In the previous question, these shepherds have been feeding themselves. So the principal concern of the false shepherds is what they can gain from their leadership over these people. These people exist for them, uh, for these kings, to extract as much from them as possible. Now again, I'm not going to give a a, a speech on politics today, but you can clearly see parallels here between uh, what God teaches us here in Ezekiel and pretty much every civil government that has ever existed, right? They, they, They take as much as they can take. But here the picture given us is that of a shepherd who has this flock, right? And it says they feed themselves. And then in verse 3, you eat the fat, and probably there a reference to the milk. You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. So here you have these false shepherds, right? They're, they're, They're extracting as much as they can for their own personal gain from these sheep. And their concern isn't for the good of the sheep as much as it is for their own pockets. And verse 4, you can see the, those who are sickly, you have not strengthened. The diseased, you have not healed. The broken, you have not bound up. And all these sheep, and, and the focus then in these verses is especially those sheep that would especially require the tender care of the shepherd. The shepherd should take care of all the sheep. But these are the sheep now that in a special way call for the care of the shepherd, the broken. And you can see also in verse 4, the middle there, the scattered you have not brought back. And this indicates, uh, dear, uh, dear friends, that some of the sheep have fled. They've become refugees in other countries. The tyranny is so great in Israel that they've, they've fled. They, they've, they've gotten out of Israel to escape the tyranny, the cruelty, and the severity of these shepherds. And you see that at the end of verse 4, nor have you sought for the lost but with force and with severity you have dominated them. And verse 5, they were scattered for lack of a shepherd and they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. Just as if sheep lead the flock, they are now defenseless. And in the same way God says, now my sheep, my people, have become refugees in other nations where they, are, they have no protection. They have no shepherd to watch over them and to fight for them and to defend them and to take up their cause. And verse 6 Again, uh, you, you know, Ezekiel, he, he paints such pictures, doesn't he? And, and in verse 6, you see this. My flock wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. You see them there, right? These sheep fleeing, fleeing from, the, from, the, from these cruel shepherds. My flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth. There was no one to search or seek for them. And at the end of verse 6 there, you see, to seek for them. It's, it's, a, it's actually a, a word for making inquiry. I could paraphrase it as there was no one to search. No one even asked about them. No one even made inquiry. Nobody even said, have you seen such and such? 
No one. And then verse 7, 8, and 9 comes the verdict, right? Then you might say uh, the hammer falls and God announces his verdict. But before I go there, congregation, I don't want just to, to, to read these words, but now in a special way you have to feel. You have to feel kind of what's behind this, these words. Not just understand it, but to feel it. And, and let, me, let me try to create that feeling in your mind with, with a parallel situation. Suppose, parents here, that you went to your children's school, all right? You went to your children's school, and as you pulled up there, you see your child out in the cold, no coda, right? And when you go to, to get your child, your other children, they can't even find them. They're out wandering about, and, 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 and when you do find them, you see your children are hurt, one of them is bleeding, you know? And did your teacher take care of you? Did they, did they, did they help you? No, my teacher beat me. My teacher turned me outside, right? Uh, into the cold with no coat on, right? Now, imagine, right, some of the indignation that you would feel that your children had been so cruelly treated and so terribly abused by the people that you had set over them and given them the responsibility to care for them and to, to teach them and to, and to be uh, a protector for them. And yet when you get there, you find your children broken and bleeding, freezing in the snow. You, you, can, you can sense, right, that this indignation, this anger, which is fueled by your love for your children. And that's really the, the feeling you have to have when you read this passage. And I think you see it especially, well, you can see it just in the, in the picture of a shepherd, right? This is the picture that God uses to, this is how he wants us to think about uh, his people. That God puts shepherds over them. And just as shepherds are to care for sheep, right? Sheep are needy animals. Uh, and, 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 and God puts these shepherds over them. Right there already you have this picture that a shepherd should have tender love and compassion for his sheep. But I think you especially you could see it in verse 6, right? In these repeated words. My flock wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. My flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth. This is God's indignant love. This is God's love for his flock, for his people, for his children. And he sees my flock abused and cruelly treated. And that's why I, that, that's why I use that word indignation, right? Because there's that, there's that sense of the, God's love for his children. And yet what he sees is appalling to him. No different than if you pulled up into the school parking lot and saw your children broken, bleeding, freezing outside in the cold. Your love for your children would lead you to this anger. Well, that brings us then to the second point there, God's solution. And you see, you see the verdict that God gives here, right? In the terrible language of verse 10, Behold, I am against the shepherds. The shepherds are now God's enemies. God had, had, had raised up these men. And by the way, if you just think literally of what this meant in those times, right? It would have been uh, the king Jehoiakim, right? Then king Jehoiachin, and then king Zedekiah. Those were the last three kings of Israel. And they were a disgrace. They were a disaster. God says, behold, I am against the shepherds. They are my enemies. And God is going to take the flock from them. And then verse 11. You have here uh, these, these, this, this picture now of this offended Shepherd, who sees his own sheep bleeding and broken and scattered. And now this shepherd, God himself, 
In verse 11, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. They're scattered on the hills. They're scattered over the mountains because of the cruelty of these other shepherds. But now God says, I'm going to go. This is God's solution. He's going to take upon himself. He's going to dismiss those false shepherds. And he's going to take the responsibility on himself. He's going to go find his own sheep. God is going to search them out. And you know, I couldn't help but think, uh, as, I, as I read this, how you can, you can so clearly take the picture that Ezekiel gives us, and you can, you can tie that in with theological concepts that we learned in, in catechism in Sunday school. And that's why I, I put these on the, on the outline there. You have God searching out his sheep. Again, the picture is the shepherd going away from the flock, going out into the mountains, going out into the hills, going out into the danger and trying to find that lost sheep. And congregation, isn't that a picture of God's calling? God's calling. Because you know, congregation, that God's calling, uh, it is an external calling, right? It is a, 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 a general call. But here you have God's effectual call, right? That God's call that he comes and he finds you. Now, many of us grew up in, in Christian homes and in Christian environments, but there may be that there is someone here who experienced this in a, in a special way, that they lived in sin, right? And they recognized that God pursued them. And even though they resisted, even though they pushed back, that still the relentless call of God came and finally conquered them, broke their hard heart, and they came to Christ in repentance and in faith. Here you see that shepherd searching for his sheep. And we talk, right, about God's effectual calling. But also, he cares for his sheep. In verse 12, as a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he's among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. Here, congregation, you can think of God's providence, his care for his sheep in providing for them every day again and, and, and bringing all good things and taking all the negative things, the painful things that happen in our life and turning them to good. This is what God's providence does for us. But we continue in this chapter. Now, unfortunately, I have to skip over quite a number of verses here because I want to come down to verse 23 where God raises up a shepherd over his sheep. Notice how God is the one who searches them out. He cares for them. But now just as God has dismissed the false shepherds, now he raises up a new shepherd. A new shepherd. And this shepherd is my servant, David. Now let me just say, congregation, in terms of how we interpret these prophecies, I think it's very clear that we are not to understand this literally. In fact, I don't know how you can understand this passage anyway. There are those who insist on interpreting all these prophecies with strict literalism. That when it says, you know, God is going to do this, he's going to do just literally exactly that. But again, I think uh, as, we, as we understand these prophecies, we're to understand them spiritually and, and as, as symbols of a higher and a greater reality. And so, of course, it's not David, right, that's going to be the shepherd over his people. It's the greater David. It's the new David, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, the son of David, who in due time, God is going to raise up and he's going to set this new shepherd over his sheep. And this shepherd is going to feed them 
And he's going to be prince among them. In verse 24, I, the Lord, have spoken. Now, congregation, because God sets up this new shepherd of David over his people, that also implies then that God is going to make a new covenant with his people. A new covenant. Now, why? It's not so much stated here, but if you think back to other sermons that we've given here, that God is in covenant with this shepherd. God has already previously made a covenant with the greater David. And since God is in covenant with the greater David, then when God sets this shepherd and this prince over his people, then that people come into covenant with God himself. You understand that? God is in covenant with this shepherd, with this prince. If you look under application 3, I I put the, the word there from the previous sermon, right from Psalm 2. I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will tell of the decree, or I will tell of the covenant. Jehovah said unto me, you are my son. This day I have begotten you. This is the shepherd. This is the prince that is being spoken of in these verses. And when God sets this shepherd over the sheep, then the sheep are in covenant with God. Because the shepherd is in covenant with God. And the sheep are included with him. The sheep are joined as one with that shepherd. And if the shepherd, the prince, the greater David is in covenant with God, then all the sheep are in covenant with God. And what does that mean? What is the result of that? Well, if you look in verse 25, it is a covenant of peace. Now, I thought that was interesting, congregation, because what did the false prophets say? Do you remember what they said? Peace, peace, right? Remember, they said, shalom, shalom, all is well. But now God comes. And he makes a covenant that brings real peace. Because it's peace that's centered in that greater David. It's a peace that flows from the covenant that God made with him. Oh, what a glorious privilege that is, congregation. To be in covenant with God. To be one with Jesus Christ. And because God is in covenant with his son, then God is in covenant with all his adopted sons and daughters. And that is a covenant that brings peace. Real peace. Peace with God and peace with each other. I think about Ephesians when it says, He, Jesus, is our peace. He is our peace. That's the greater David. That's the shepherd. Well, congregation, let me haste then to make some points of application here. And in the first place, my first application, God the first one. In congregation, every Christian here must testify. You know, I I would even go so far as to say this. If you were a complete Arminian, if you were speaking with a complete Arminian who nevertheless was a true Christian, you would confess that God was first in your life. I don't believe any true Christian would say, oh, I took the first step towards God. It's just so contrary to everything that we just even experience in our life of faith with God. And certainly contrary to everything we read in Scripture. That God is the one who searches us out. And no matter what you might say, that, well, I accepted Christ when I was five years old or ten years old, and and of course that's wonderful. But God went before. God went before. He was the one who searched you out. Again, you may not have been conscious of it. You may not have been aware of it. But God is the one who is the first one. 
He's the one who seeks us out. He's the one who calls us. And again, that's such a beautiful word. That's the favorite word of the Apostle Paul. Calling for the Apostle Paul is not just me calling to my son to do this or that, but calling is when God said, let there be light. And there was light. Calling is that creative word of God that creates what it calls into existence. God is the first one. And so, congregation, when we come to the table of the Lord, we come to confess that God was the first one in our life. That God was first. We love Him. Can you finish the sentence? We love Him because He first loved us. Now, congregation, if you sit at this table, you make that confession. And in the second place, we make another confession. And this is such a beautiful thing, congregation, of God's provision for His sheep. That no matter how broken, sick, weak, starving, hurting, stretched in every direction, you may be this morning. And congregation, I, I see you all here today, but I cannot look into your heart. I do not know what burden you may be carrying this morning. I do not know what tears may be in your eyes. I do not know what anxieties might be dragging you down. But I know this, that there is a great shepherd caring for you. Let me just say something here as well. You may have been in a church where you encountered abusive situations. Unfortunately, that happens even in the Christian world. Where churches abuse sheep. Where false shepherds abuse the sheep. But this morning, congregation, I'm not your shepherd. I'm just an under-shepherd. But I call you to see this morning the great shepherd who cares for your soul, no matter how broken, abused, no matter how starving or stretched or anxious you may be. And so we make another confession. that When we come and when we sit at this table with our Savior, we confess our confidence in God's shepherding and leading. Can you make that confession this morning, congregation? It's hard, isn't it? It's difficult. We thought our life was going to go this way. And God led us this way. But now when we come to this table, when we come to this table, we say, Lord, I confess my confidence in your leading. My trust, even my boasting. That's another step, isn't it? One thing to trust and to be confident in it, but not to boast in it. That God is my shepherd. God leads me. My life has not been what I expected it to be. But I know who's leading the way. I know in whose footsteps I'm walking. And so, congregation, then with this table, we make this confession. I am confident that God is my shepherd. And congregation, my third point then, the greater David, God is in covenant with this son, with this prince, and with this shepherd. And when we come to this table, we take the Lord Jesus Christ as our covenant keeper. He keeps the covenant congregation. Or would you prefer to keep it yourself? When the terms of God's covenant comes, right? And God demands perfect, personal, Perpetual obedience with not the least deviation from his will. Will you live up to that standard? Or will you take refuge in Christ 
who did keep that standard perfectly, he answered every demand of God's covenant of works. And when we come to this table, we confess that we take refuge in his covenant keeping in our place. Isn't that a wonder, congregation? Isn't that the beauty of the gospel? That God says, here is my son. I've set him upon my holy hill. I've made a covenant with him. And when you come as sheep and become sheep of his fold, when you come under his shepherding, then his covenant keeping becomes yours. Just as if I had never sinned. Remember that expression? That's what we talk about justification sometimes, right? Just as if I had never sinned. Why? Well, you've sinned a lot. But when we are in Christ, his obedience becomes ours. His covenant keeping becomes ours. So, congregation, at this table, we may profess, we take Christ as our covenant keeper. Well, that's a great blessing, congregation. But let us move then to uh, continue our celebration of the Lord's Supper and to uh, continue reading from the form. I'm going to read from the blue hymnal this, this time. And in the blue hymnal, you'll